to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Gospel of John, chapter 19. Also, somewhere in, their, uh, in your worship bulletin, you have message notes. If you want to take those out, you can follow along. We're going to look at a huge chunk of Scripture this morning. In fact, there was so, so much Scripture that I, I couldn't even put it all in the message notes. So for the most part, you're either just going to have to listen along this morning to me read it or uh, to follow along on the screens behind me. Uh, I, I'm going to give today's message or preach today's message in, in my favorite way, which means I'm going to read a little bit and preach a little bit, read a little bit, teach a little bit, read a little bit, rant a little bit, um, and we'll just see how that goes and we'll see how much ranting there is. Usually I, I do more preaching and ranting at 11.15, just so, so you guys know. I just feel like they need it more than you guys do. And uh, so they, they get both barrels where you guys normally maybe get one. But we're going to talk today about the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, I've called today's message, Killing Jesus. Uh, maybe you've read some of uh, Bill O'Reilly's books, and he has a, an, another writer that writes these with him. Uh, but he has Killing Patton, Killing Lincoln, uh, Killing Reagan, Killing Kennedy, Killing Jesus, and maybe another one, I, I can't remember. But, but the idea is that he talks about leaders, and, and not, just, um, not just marginal leaders, but leaders who have really, really, really made an impact on the world. And, at, you know, well, with some of these leaders, you know, they, they were killed. They, they were assassinated. But then there is uh, a second part of the killing that he talks about, and that is how the person's influence has been tweaked or the history about that person has been tweaked and some of it has turned into, um, oh, what's the right word for it? More legend than anything else. And so in, in these, these books, like Killing Jesus, uh, O'Reilly tries to separate the fact from fiction. And, and I've read most of the books, and, and I think they're pretty good. They're, they're interesting. He usually puts some details in there that, that you don't normally find in other places. But at the same time, some of the things just make me want to pull my hair out because they miss the forest for the trees. He, he misses the point. He misses what matters. Uh, one of the things I love about this time of year, the Easter time of, of the year, is that people are much more interested in things about Jesus. I think even more so than Christmas, really. Which makes sense because Jesus never asked us to remember his birth. He asked us to remember his, his death and his resurrection. So that, that just makes sense. And I also think that the Holy Spirit is just moving in a special way around this time of year. And so people are thinking about spiritual things. And you can see that um, on your, your watch guide or your channel guide or, you know, what's coming up on, on the TV channels like Nat Geo, History Channel, CNN, Fox News. They all have some sort of Easter special where they're talking about Jesus and, you know, fact and fiction, the last 
week of Jesus, the last night of Jesus, just all sorts of different programs. If you look at the newsstand, you see um, uh, magazines even like Time. You know, they'll do feature spreads, even even whole editions uh, in their magazine about the life and death of Jesus. And it it it, it sort of drives me nuts, kind of like the Killing Jesus book does, because they delude it so much, or they take the faith out of it, and so oftentimes they don't even get the historic details right. And so, so today, you know, um, all respect that's due to Bill O'Reilly, we're, we're going to talk about the more real death of Jesus and what it was really like in the killing of Jesus. And uh, so let's just get started. You guys ready? Everybody with me? All right, here we go. So John chapter 19, and we're just going to pick up in, in verse 1. You, you guys sort of know where we are in the story. Even if you haven't been uh, here before, uh, this is your first Sunday, you, you kind of know where things are in, in the story. And certainly if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know where we are in the story uh, Jesus has been arrested. He's on trial. It's been this back and forth thing between Annas and Caiaphas. Annas, Caiaphas, Herod, uh, Herod the great Pilate, back to Herod, back to Pilate. It's just this back and forth, kangaroo court sort of thing uh, with, with Jesus. The, the religious leaders in Israel have had it in for Jesus for about two and a half years now. They not only wanted to discredit Jesus, they want to kill him. And, and now they are, they are right at the point of that actually happening. Everyone has turned Jesus away, so to speak. It's, it's like he's gone to the Supreme Court with Herod. And Herod, the governor, has kicked it back to the lower courts. He's kicked this back to Pilate. He, he's not even willing to hear this case for Jesus. And so he kicks it back to Pilate. And Pilate is going to make the final decision here. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And to say that Jesus was whipped or beaten is a, a major understatement. Jesus is not just, just beaten. He is beaten, but he's not just whipped, although he is whipped. He, he's beaten to a bloody pulp during all of this. Uh, a lot of uh, police officers, well, well, I say that maybe they don't. Police officers, they still carry like a billy stick. That's what we called them back. Do they still carry one of those on their side? I can't remember. Now they got all kinds of cool things like stun guns and stuff, so I don't even know if they have those anymore. Uh, but... Sort of like the, the handheld weapon, not, not the sword. That would have been, when they brought the sword out, I mean, everything's over at that point. But they would carry this, this flogging device with them that had a, a wooden handle, usually wrapped in leather, that had several prongs of leather off of it, usually about this long, maybe about 18 inches. And in the strips of leather, there were pieces of metal, glass, or bone and all of it was designed to, when, when it hit a body, 
they, they wanted something sharp to be able to grab the flesh. So when they pulled it back, it wasn't just that they left a whip mark. It wasn't even just that they left a cut. But it was designed to hit the flesh, grab a hold of it. And so when they would pull it back, they were yanking chunks out of Jesus. Not all over him, but in his back area. And so Jesus has been handed over to be flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. This is all a part of the crucifixion process. Now, I'll say more about crucifixion as we go through this passage of Scripture today. But, but crucifixion was not um, a punishment they would just hand down to anyone, even anyone who's, who's being killed for some capital crime. It was reserved for people who were accused of treason. It was for people who were insurrectionists people who were deemed terrorists, and someone they wanted to make an example out of. And so they didn't just carry that person up, nail them to the cross, and that'd be it. This was all drawn out so it could be a humiliating sort of experience. And so this is not just something they did only for Jesus. Now, they, the hell king of the Jews part, that was for Jesus. But the flogging, the crown of thorns, the purple robe, that sort of thing. That was called the king's game, and it was something that they regularly did. Anyone who went against Rome, anyone who went against the empire, anyone who went against the king and proclaimed himself as the new leader would get the same sort of treatment. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. So I want you to get sort of an idea of what's happening here. There's a, there's a place in Israel, I mean parts of it are, are still there, right by the Temple Mount, and it's called uh, the Tower of Antonio. The, the Romans and the Jews were living together in Judea, sort of out of a compromise. The, the Romans, they're... The only reason they cared at all about Judea was that they wanted the tax money from there. Rome would use the tax money for their own building projects and different things like that. So they, they only wanted the tax money. And they learned early on that if they were going to live with the Jewish people, they were going to have to let them have some of their religion and their laws. I mean, the, the Jews were willing to die before they would worship Caesar as God. So they were allowed to keep their religion and their laws to a point. And during these high holy religious festivals like Passover, that's what's happening here. So you have a city that normally has about 300,000 Jewish people in it. Now it fills up with about a million pilgrims. Well, the Romans would get really nervous about that, you can imagine. And their laws would not allow Gentiles, which included these Romans, a Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew, it, it prevented them from being able to come onto the temple grounds. Well, what worried the Romans is that during these holy times, they couldn't see down into the temple to see what's going on in the courtyard. For all they knew, the, the, uh, the Jews could be in there planning some revolt against the Romans. 
So they built a tower right beside of it. They could look down in it. Well, that's where the government headquarters were in Jerusalem. It's kind of like the police station. That's where Pilate was. And he would have had some sort of portico, a, a decking, a porch of some kind, where he could step out on it and address the people. But he could do that safely, just slightly elevated above them. So he's had Jesus beaten. Jesus has been brought back to Pilate. He, he sees Jesus. And now Pilate steps out and says, I, I find no reason to carry this any further And Jesus is brought out on the portico. And he says those famous words in Latin, echo homo, behold the man. There's an arch right at the the tower of Antonio, the ruins of it, called echo homo. Right in, in the place where Pilate would have brought Jesus out and showed him to the people. What he's hoping for is that these religious leaders that just have it in for Jesus, and Pilate doesn't understand all of it. He he doesn't know exactly what's going on here, but he's got a pretty good idea that these religious leaders are jealous and different things like that. But what he's hoping is that when he shows them Jesus, who is beaten again nearly to death, that they will look at him and just the horror of it all will make them say, okay, that's enough. Behold means to look and listen. He's saying, look at this. Let let this be enough. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. When you understand what crucifixion was really like, you can see that what has happened in these these leaders, these chief priests, Annas and Caiaphas, their hatred for Jesus has turned into hysteria. Listen, crucifixion was not something you would wish on your worst night uh, or on your worst enemy. And here they are screaming for him, and they see him. And now, now they're they're screaming, they're inciting the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate knew that they couldn't crucify Jesus. Again, they were allowed to keep their religion and most of their their laws. But the thing they could not do is kill someone. Only the Romans could do that. The, the Romans, and at times, they're extremely cruel people, but they had their rules. They believed in due process and different things like that. And, and they believed that the only people in the Roman Empire who could kill other people were Romans. And so they would not allow these religious leaders to crucify Jesus. And, and these religious leaders knew what was about to happen. Their worst nightmare was about to happen. He's, he's going to let Jesus go. That's that's what they're thinking. That's why they're trying to to stir this back up. And so they said in verse 7, we have a law, and according to this law, he must die. They're right about that. In Leviticus 24, 16, the Bible says that anyone who blasphemes God, anyone who puts 
themselves on the same level as God is guilty of blasphemy and the whole community should stone that person to death. So in that sense, they're right. But they also knew that they couldn't kill him. They also knew that they couldn't carry that out. And Pilate knew it as well. We have a law, and according to that law, he must die. And this is really interesting. Because he claimed to be the Son of God. They're not willing to say Jesus is the Son of God. Which would make him Messiah. Which would make him God. They believe he's a blasphemer, an imposter. And they want to see him dead. And these guys are smooth. Because they knew how to talk to Pilate. They, they knew how to really sort of crank up his emotions. And, and those three words, son of God, certainly did it for him. Well, let, let me read the next verse and, and then I'll explain why. Verse 8, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Now, that's interesting. He, he's, 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 he's not only now become afraid, he's been afraid. Because now he's even more afraid. Which again lets us know he, he's been afraid. What in the world is going on here? Why in the world does a man like Pilate care anything about this Jesus guy? I mean, if you're looking at this from his perspective as, as a Roman, to him this is just one more Jew. Just kill him. Be, be done with this. What is the big deal? Well, if you put some of the other gospel accounts along with the gospel of John, like Matthew, for example. Matthew's gospel tells us that Pilate's wife came to him and said, listen, I'm having bad dreams about this man. Now, see, we hear that maybe even every Easter, and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But think about that for a minute. Who is this guy? You know, like Jesus, pretend like he's standing right here. Who, who is he to them? There have been thousands and thousands of guys like him who have been crucified. Pilate is a, is a rugged, rough, cruel leader. You don't get to his position without being so. And so why not, why not just send this man away? Why, why not just kill him? And why is Pilate's wife having dreams about him? Because God is talking to them. God is stirring their hearts. If you look at Jesus' whole experience with Pilate, three times he tries to release him. There's something going on here. There is a reason why he doesn't just turn him out and have him killed. So he, he knows that Jesus, this is more than just a spitting contest between Pilate and the religious leaders, which is the way you normally hear this. God is dealing with Pilate's heart and he knows this is not just another man. This is not just 
any man. And when he hears these religious leaders say, son of God, he's like, oh my goodness, is that it? Now, Pilate's not religious, but he is superstitious. And in the Roman system of worship with their pagan gods, Zeus, Jupiter, Mercury, Diana, you, you name the God, they believed that occasionally their Roman gods would visit earth as the son of whomever that God was. And so now he's thinking in his mind, could this be the son of God or a son of a God? What am I dealing with here? Who, who have I been beating on? And so, uh, verse 9, and he went back inside the palace. Now, Jesus has been out on the porch with him, but either he walks in with Pilate or Pilate has him brought in, but Jesus and Pilate end up back inside, away from the people. And he says, where do you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. In, in the 1980s, Russian spies who were in the United States realized that they had to come up with, with a better explanation of who they were. They, they had to come up with a better story about, well, where they came from. What, what they had been doing is starting with their life or an explanation of who they were sometime in adulthood. Like, yeah, I went to school at Georgetown. This is my wife, so-and-so, or this is my husband. We have two kids. They would just start at adulthood. So what the FBI and CIA began to do is, is ask questions that goes back before college. So, so what's your mother's maiden name? What city were you born in? Where'd you go to elementary school? Who was your fifth grade teacher? Who was your 12th grade English teacher? They started going back and asking for those kind of details. And they found a number of spies because they didn't have that part of the story. Pilate is doing something similar. All right, you tell me. I, I know you as a grown man. I've heard of you. I know you. But let's go back. He's trying to find out if Jesus is the son of a God. And Jesus knows the power of silence, so he didn't answer him. How do you think Pilate's going to handle that? Not too good. Verse 10. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? He's saying, don't you understand? I could have you crushed right now or I could send you packing. And you have the gall to stand there and not even speak to me? I'm your only ally right now. Don't you get that? Those people out there want, they want your head. And I hold your head. I could kill you right now. Which is when Jesus spoke up. 
because he wasn't willing to let Pilate believe that he was in charge. He said in verse 11, you would have no, no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Pilate, you're not in charge. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Pilate, and I don't think Jesus was being disrespectful at all, but I think he's saying, Pilate, you just don't know what's going on here. You're just playing a role. You're responsible for your actions, but you're just a character in this. You're playing a role. You're, you're making decisions based on things that you, you don't even understand, but those who've turned me over to you, they should know better. The religious leaders, the chief priests, they should know better. They should know who I am. I don't expect you to. They're going to be held accountable for this. Now, now look at when John says, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. Amazing. Okay. I'm, I'm going to give you a little side detail here. I don't have time to flesh this out. But there, there is a tradition in the Coptic church, the Christian Coptic church, like in Egypt, where, by the way, 21 people at least were killed in a bomb blast in Egypt today in the Coptic church during their 